So I'm going to be reading again from Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. And I'm going to be starting in verse 1 and reading all the way through verse 9. Last week, we were able to look at the God's command and charge to children. And then this week, we'll be looking where the passage focuses in on fathers. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you are a good and perfect father. We are dependent on you for all truth, all teaching, all wisdom. So, Father, we pray that you would empower us through the Holy Spirit to have wisdom and discernment and understand your truth so that we would be set free in your son, Jesus Christ. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. We were able to have a wonderful time the last few days. My family was hiking around Mount St. Helens and seeing the beauty of God's creation. And right now is the beginning season of berries, berries, especially around Mount St. Helens. So we ate thimble berries and we ate salmon berries and the, not the big Himalayan blackberries, but the smaller, you know, wild ones that grow on those thin vines that spread out, the really sweet ones. Those were all out. And we're going through, and one of my favorite things to do on the hike is we'd be going through, and I'd say, you can eat that. So we'd be eating that. You could eat those, and we'd be eating those. Don't eat that. We'd go along, and someone would say, can you eat that? No. <laughs> can you eat that? Yes. 
So that was kind of one of the themes on the hike. And we were watching carefully. When there's the prospect of free food about you, your eyes and your senses get all the more tuned and you're looking and scanning as you go along because you want those sweet rewards as you're going along on this hot and rigorous hike. So you're looking at that. And also, the more you're aware of those plants with the thorns and thistles and that burn when they brush against you, you're watching for those. So it was a great time. So it was fun for me to be going through and talking about what is a good plant and what is a bad plant. Well, the passage of Scripture we're looking at right now speaks about instruction. Instruction. And the instruction and discipline and the teaching that is to be handed down in this passage of Scripture is of far greater importance than a salmon berry, though they are pretty good. This is life and death. This is literally life and death. For the Apostle Paul, this for him is of life and death importance. This is it. And he's going to focus us in on this instruction, how vitally important this is to train children up so as they're walking through life, they can see what's good, what's sweet, what's wonderful, what is harmful, and what can kill you. That becomes a dominant theme through instruction as we go through the scriptures and as we go through this text. So again, I just make note, there's a outline on the back of your bulletin that has some of the other verses we're going to be looking at as we go through this passage of Scripture. So we first start in verse 4, where it begins with fathers. Fathers. Now, we already looked at verses 1 through 3, where it says, honor your father and mother. And just before this, in Ephesians 5, the last part of Ephesians 5, we see how beautiful and how wonderful it is to weave together this truth of a man and a woman who love the Lord and, and, and seek after God and who, who together have that vital, vital ministry of encouraging each other and raising up the children to know the Lord. Yet in verse 4, we see the focus, the attention of the focus is directed now specifically to the father. Now, it isn't that mothers don't teach and instruct and bring up in the Lord. Of course, we see that. We see that most gra- graphically when it comes to Paul speaking with Timothy, because it was Timothy's mother and grandmother who knew the Lord and loved the Lord and knew God's word and teached and trained Timothy in the things of God. As far as we know and understand, it's, it's likely that Timothy's father was not a believer. So here you have an instance where it was through the mother and then the grandmother that the teaching and instructing and disciplining of the things of God took place. I know in my own case, I'm an example of what it is in Christianity. In Christianity, there is a family that supersedes, that is above any natural relations. And that is the people of God. 
people of God. Because in my own home, my father was absent. So then it was my grandfather and scoutmasters and male teachers at school and that who stepped in. And those men in my church context who stepped in and taught and instructed me in the things of the Lord. Even though my own biological, physical father was completely absent and removed. So we understand how you don't have to have children to do what is in this passage. Because if you are a man in the church, any of the younger men in that church are as though sons to you spiritually. Remember, Paul spoke of Timothy and Titus as his sons in the faith as he mentored them and directed them. And also vice versa. But here we see the Apostle Paul focusing in on the fathers as the head of the home, as the, as the, the spiritual head in that, that ultimately they have the responsibility to, as Ephesians 5 said, to nourish and cherish the wife so that she is fully equipped and fully able to raise the children and the things of the Lord and that he ultimately has that responsibility. That responsibility. Remember what was the ultimate statement of the husband in the marriage and then of the father? He is the one who is to die. Remember that's how much Christ loved the church? That he died for the church? Well, that becomes first and foremost the role of the father. You want to be a husband? You want to be a father? I encourage you to practice picking up a cross and following Jesus Christ. Because that then becomes first and foremost what that looks like. So here we see the focus is on the fathers as the ultimate responsibility and authority in this. Fathers, verse 4. And then you have this first phrase, do not provoke other translations or exasperate. Do not, another good way to approach it is do not ignite, ignite your children to anger, your children to anger. To better understand this anger, we go to Colossians. If you go to Colossians 3.21, here's the parallel passage of this one in Ephesians. So Colossians 3.21, it's almost word for word the same, but we see where Colossians brings in something to help us understand this anger. What is the nature of this anger? Because you can rightly discipline a child and they get angry. So anger can be caused just by the own, their own personal sin and rebellion within them. Or anger can be caused because of a harsh, unjust, oppressive, manipulative hypocrisy. You see the difference there. So Colossians 3.21 brings us out. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Same word, provoke, exasperate. Lest they become, and here's the heart of the anger of Ephesians, discouraged. Discouraged. The anger that Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3.21 is speaking of is an anger where the kids, because 
they just see hypocrisy and they just see see pride and they don't see the love and intention that they are being disciplined for the things of God. So they get discouraged. They just give up. They say, well, I just give up on this family. I just give up on God. I just give up on the things of Christ. So you see that that is an anger that is a hardening, a hardening. Rather than an anger of, of, of sin that ultimately God softens and draws them closer to him as they work through that process. So verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke, do not incite, do not ignite your children to a discouraging, hopeless anger, but bring them up. See, there's the difference. The Apostle Paul is speaking against a, a conduct with our children that just tears them down. See, that's the difference. We want something that brings them up, that builds them up, that lifts them up into the things of God. And this is the dominant theme in Ephesians, where it keeps speaking again and again about the body of Christ. We build each other up in love. We build each other up in truth. We speak God's word into each other's lives so that we may grow up into Jesus Christ as the head. Remember, that's the dominant theme for the people of God in our sanctification process. What's well, the same for the family? Where we see that fathers, and from the earlier passage of one through three mothers also, for parents, that we are to be building up, lifting our children up in the things of God. And what does that look like? Well, that's what the verse continues with. But bring them up in the, and here's the two key words, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So those are the two key words. The discipline and the instruction. The discipline where there are rules and parameters, where there are boundaries set and there are consequences for breaking those boundaries or going past those parameters and where there is rewards and incentives and encouragement where, where the, the young person stays within and is obedient. So that's that understanding of discipline, of shaping and forming them according to God's commands and according to God's word, according to God's truth. And instruction then goes beyond that. Instruction is where you are teaching and enabling the children with the gifts and abilities God's given them to grow and learn how to handle God's word, how to discern the context that they are in, and to live to God's glory within any context. So that's the understanding of discipline and instruction that we see presented here by the Apostle Paul by these words. When it comes to this understanding of discipline, I first take you to Job 5. This is an important verse. And we're going to see the contrast between what it is to discipline for a blessing and what it is to not discipline 
and the effects of that. So Job 5, starting at verse 17, says this. Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he binds up. He shatters, but his hands heal. So we see a description of God, and it is a blessed thing to be disciplined by God. It is a blessed thing. Blessing means happiness. It means joy. It means life in all its fullness. That's what blessing means. So happy is one living life to the full, the one who God disciplines in his word and in his truth. We saw that last week. We looked briefly at Hebrews 12. I again cite Hebrews 12 again. In that passage, it says this, Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. It's an exact parallel with the Job statement. Verse 6, why? For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. To discipline means to love. To not discipline means to hate and to curse. That's very important to see and understand. That's what the scriptures understand of God with us, and that's what the scriptures are lifting up for a earthly father and their children. For a father to truly seek to discipline his children rightly according to God's word is love and blessing. For a father to to turn away from or neglect or oppose disciplining his children in the things of God and the ways of God is the opposite of blessing, the opposite of love. And how we see this is the contrast in the scripture with God himself. As we saw in Hebrews 12, God disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So what's the opposite of God disciplining to bring about blessing and holiness? It is God pulling back any form of active disciplining in our life. So the opposite of loving discipline we see in the scripture is what God says. You can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. You, I'm just going to let you go and do and say whatever you want and I am just going to pull back and let it happen. And the scriptures understand it as God cursing those to whom he does not discipline. You see that pattern in Romans, in Romans 1. This is, the, this is what this looks like. The opposite of God loves those whom he disciplines and chastises all the children whom he receives. The opposite of that is Romans 1, where it describes God as giving them over. So in opposition to the blessing 
when God disciplines and corrects. We see in Romans 1, starting at verse... Romans 1, we see where it says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. So here's the, here's the understanding. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then we see the three places where God gives them over. Verse 24. Rather than worshiping God for who he is, they seek idolatry. So verse 24, God gives them over to the lust of their heart to immorality. So rather than correcting and making alive and and bringing about the gift of belief and repentance so that they would be instructed in the things of God and turn away, God gives them over. That means a removal of all corrective discipline. So God gives them over to the lust of their hearts in verse 24. And then verse 26, God gives them over to dishonorable passions. And then verse 28, the ultimate hardening of giving over. For those who refuse to acknowledge God, God gives them over to a debased mind. And what does that look like? In the verses following 28, it says a debased mind is every form of disobedience and immorality. And ultimately, they hate God and they hate all that is holy and of God. So you see how vitally important it is for the Apostle Paul that he's speaking to fathers to model. Remember within the marriage... The husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, that he is to model Christ's sacrifice and love for the church. And the wife is to, is to model and display the church's respect and honoring and submission to Christ. Well, here we see within the family that the father is to model and portray God's loving discipline of his children. But if a father refuses to do this for whatever way or doesn't believe in this form of discipline and in any way tells the child, I just want you to believe in whatever you want to believe in and live however you want to live and I'm not going to say no to anything or discipline you in any way. If they think that is love, they don't know the truth of Scripture. Because that form of lack of discipline is actually cursing that leads to destruction. And that's what we see as the opposite to loving discipline. We see this further as it goes on from in the discipline to the and instruction. And instruction. Now this is an important word. This instruction, this is, we instruct many things. We could teach our kids how to take out the trash. We could teach them how to work on a car. We could teach them how to hunt and fish or build a fire. We could teach them how to read and write when they're young. There's all these different ways that the father and mother teach and instruct their children. Instruction is where you are 
giving them skills and abilities and helping them so that they can can live to the fullest and, and, and understand God for who he is and live that out. So instruction are these patterns of training, these habits of forming the words and actions of our children. And the key passage of Scripture that talks about instruction is Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 is your key passage. And what is spoken in Deuteronomy 6 is built on throughout the Old Testament and leads right to this passage we're looking at in Ephesians 6. So Deuteronomy 6. And in Deuteronomy 6, we see what is at the heart and what is the foundation of of instruction for the father to pass on to the children and for the parents, father and mother, to be passing down to the children. Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land your God commanded me, I mean, in the land to which you were going over to possess it, that you may, here's the first component of instruction, that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments when I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. So that's the first and foremost aspect of instruction, is teaching and stealing in your children this key, vital, life and death truth of fearing the Lord. Holding Him in awe and reverence and respect. Knowing that He is all-powerful, that He is sovereign. And everything he says and speaks is perfect and true. And all his commands are right. And the ways he lays out in the scripture mean life. And to oppose him and oppose his rules and regulations and the words he's given to us in the scripture is to oppose life itself. Is to oppose truth. And to stand in opposition of the one who made us and who saves us. So it's that fear, that holy reverence and awe that is to be first and foremost of what is at the heart of instruction. Number three, verse three. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So there's the second component of instructing. The first one is teaching and instilling a fear of God, lifting him up in all his holiness and all his love and all his truth so that we would understand that he is above all and that we are to submit to him in everything. He is over us. We are not God. He is God. 
and he is our everything. Then the second key component of of this instruction is teaching and instructing our kids in the, the love of God. To love him with all our heart, all our might, all our strength, with our soul, everything we are to love God. Where we're teaching in our words and our actions and trying to model what it is to desire God more than anything else. To treasure him more than everything else. That his gospel is sweeter and more wonderful and more beautiful than anything else we could ever think about or speak about or consider. The love of God. So you see where those two things are lifted up. That's the heart of what Paul's saying in instructing children. We teach them and instruct them in the fear of God. And we teach them and instruct them in the love of God. Both of these are of life and death vital importance. If you only teach one at the neglect or opposition of the other, that's not instructing in the things of the Lord. They are both so intertwined and interwoven in the scriptures that to try to separate them out, you unravel the very truth of God and the nature of what it is to instruct in the things of the Lord. So as Deuteronomy 6 goes on, we see first of all the fear of the Lord and then the love of the Lord. And then verse 6. So how do we do this? How do we... How do we instruct our children in the fear of the Lord and how do we instruct them in the love of the Lord? This is verse 6 and on. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. And when you rise, it's the word of God, the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Speaking these out, praying these out, seeing these out, teaching these things, being in God's word together, walking verse by verse through the scriptures with your children. This is how the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord is lifted up and displayed. It's God's word that is of most importance. That's why in 2 Timothy 3, the Apostle Paul, speaking to Timothy, starting at verse 14, he says to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood You have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. That's the key. Through faith in Christ Jesus, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's the instruction. Training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
So we see where the fear of the Lord, where we keep His commands, where we seek to obey Him in all things, the love of the Lord with all our heart and all our soul and all our might, where He is our greatest passion and desire and treasure. And God's Word, which is living and active and is true and is what gives us the knowledge of who God is and who we are in Him. So these are the things that are at the heart of this this passage where Paul is lifting up what it is to teach children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that's the key thing. It is bringing them up in the discipline and instruction. And what's the last three words? Of the Lord. That's the key. That's the key. We can discipline and we can instruct in all kinds of things. And it's good to learn. But here the Apostle Paul is saying there's something that's first and foremost that is of most vital life and death importance. And it is the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Of the Lord. Because that is what is life and death. And that's where I direct you to Proverbs. Proverbs 4. You can see what's at the heart of what the Apostle Paul is teaching and instructing the church in Ephesus here in verse 4. You can see where he's drawing upon Proverbs 4. It's a beautiful statement. And it shows the life and death, vital importance and necessity of this discipline and instruction. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 5, then starting at verse 11. So Proverbs 4, starting at verse 1. Hear, O sons of father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. That's the key. Keep my commandments and live. Verse 5, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Then if you go on to verse 11. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Verse 12. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Verse 13. Keep hold of instruction. This is this instruction in the way of the Lord. In the truths of his scriptures. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. 
That's it. Verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. In Proverbs 4, it's teaching, instructing what's at the heart of this disciplining, instructing our children. Ultimately, the most vital thing that we could be teaching and disciplining and instructing them and that they can be learning is when they see something that is of God, when they see something that is true from God's word, that they just grab hold of that. And they bring that in close to them. And they guard it from all those around them. From the devil who will accuse and mock and say, oh, that's, that's, you could live so much better without that. Turn away from God. Be who you want to be. Live how you want to live. That's real life. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to keep hold of God's word. You're teaching a child what is to hold on to the truth of God when the world, the fallen world, mocks them and, and makes fun of them and says that they are, they are less or they, that they, they don't know reality because they're holding those old things or those things of that religion. And they're like, no, no, you're wrong. This treasure that I have of God's word is everything to me. It is true. It is right. They just guard it. They hold on to it. And when they see the temptations all around them, the temptations to sin, the temptations of pride and greed and lust and gluttony and, and the temptations of turning away from God and and living in, in ways of sin. They see those temptations and those from the devil and the world and even their own fallen flesh that is tempting them to say, God, you don't have to keep a hold of that. Just come with me a little way. Oh, this is going to be so much fun or feel so good. Just come. And how does Proverbs 4 says it? Verse 15, avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. And pass on to those temptations of sin and the world and the devil. It is a good thing to be instructed and disciplined by God. If we are experiencing the discipline and chastisement and refining by God, no matter how painful, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, we know we're in His love. God disciplines the ones He loves. And he chastises every son whom he receives. Because God disciplines us so that we may become more holy.
and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And that then becomes the pattern within our families and within our lives. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you give us the power of your Holy Spirit so that we may we may know and believe and do these things that are commanded in this passage of Scripture. We can't do this in our power. We are absolutely dependent on you. And Father, we thank you that you as our true heavenly Father, that you have displayed your love so perfectly in sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. That you call us to pick up our cross and to follow. So Father, I, I pray for every father here. Oh Lord, I pray that you will help us, guide us, help us to know your grace, your goodness, and help us to display who you are more and more in our words and actions. Father, I pray for every mother here. I pray that you will continue to strengthen them and guide them and use them so powerfully in the nurturing of the faith of these children. And Father, I pray for every child here that you would help them to know what it is to fear you, what it is to love you, and what it is to walk in your ways and to rejoice in your goodness and your love. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.